you have your Bible this morning, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to talk to you just for a few moments here of the seriousness of what we're going to do here this morning. I want to talk to you about understanding what the Lord's Supper is all about. And I believe there's three things that we must take a look at this morning before we move into partaking of the Lord's Supper because of the seriousness of it. You know, as Paul is instructing the church at Corinth here on the importance and the procedure of taking the Lord's Supper, he gives them a strong warning in verse 27. In order to demonstrate the seriousness of this most important ordinance of the church. And like many things in society today, for some the observance of the Lord's Supper has really lost its significance. That's why so many churches, all they do when they have the Lord's Supper is tag it on the end of a service. They have a regular service and that's good. But they tag the Lord's Supper onto the end like you would go to a buffet, eat, and then eat a dessert. Folks, the Lord's Supper is not just a dessert you do at the end of a service. I believe the Lord's Supper is something you focus the entire service on because it's so important. And that's why when we do the Lord's Supper, we get everything out of the way first. So we can focus fully on this. So like many things in today's society, it, it, it's lost its significance for many. For some, it's simply become the religious thing to do. A religious ritual that's lost its true meaning. Now let's look at what Paul had to say to the church at Corinth. Now we do must remember that Corinth was a very carnal church. In fact, Paul even told them one time, I can't even speak to you as spiritual. He said, when I come to you, i got to bring you bottles because all you can handle is the milk of the Word. It was a very carnal church. Uh, a lot of sin was taken, being taken uh, in that church. They were suing one another. There was incest taking place within the church. There was adultery taking place within the church. A lot of sin was going on in the church, and yet they would take the Lord's Supper, and what we find from uh, you know, uh, church history is they had even turned the Lord's Supper into a drunken orgy. They would take the wine and get drunk and then, I mean, just make a mockery of it. And that's why Paul was writing them, telling them the seriousness of what they was doing here. Guys, don't you understand the, the significance of this and the seriousness of the Lord's Supper? So he writes this to them as they begin to make a mockery of this most important event. Here's what he says in verse 27. <clears throat> Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink the cup of the Lord unworthy shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28, he says, let a man examine himself. And so let him eat that bread. In other words, before you partake of the Lord's Supper, you need to first take a good look at yourself. He goes on to say, For he that eateth and drinketh this cup unworthy, 
He eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Why? Because he's not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause. Now, what's he mean by this cause? Because of taking the Lord's Supper unworthy. Because of the sin that was in their life, the unconfessed sin that was in their life, and the mockery they was making of this Lord's Supper. Look what he says here. Because you have been making a mockery of this Lord's Supper. He said, that's why some are weak among you. That's why some are sick among you. And he goes on to say, and many sleep now because of this. What's the King James word sleep mean? Death. Many of you have even died because of the mockery you have made of the Lord's Supper. Now, wouldn't you say that's a, that this is a serious thing then? Wouldn't you say that this is such a serious thing that in the church at Corinth it caused people to be weak? I believe physically. Of course, they were weak spiritually. But sick physically and even experienced death because they did not take this serious. Folks, we must take the Lord's Supper as a serious ordinance within the church. And we understand the significance of them, of this. <clears throat> so when participating in the Lord's Supper, I believe these verses show us the seriousness. As Paul said, many have died even as a result. And I believe there's at least three things. I Just real quick this morning, I want to give you three things we must take a look at this morning, personally, before going forward with the Lord's Supper. First of all, we must take a look backwards. We must take a look backwards. That's what he means in verse 24 and 25. And when he had given thanks, he broke bread. He said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. What do we do when we remember something? We look back at it. That's what remembrance be. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he says, he took the cup. And when he had sipped the cup, saying, the cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in what? Remembrance of me. In other words, look back what took place on that old cruel cross over 2,000 years ago. Remember what I did for you. Remember that my father loved you so much that he sent me down here to die a cruel death on the cross. Remember my body that was broken. Remember the blood that was shed because of my love for you. Notice our Lord said, partake the Lord's Supper. When you do, remember what I have done for you. As a remembrance of the love he demonstrated for us. So, folks, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we should sit in awe at Gethsemane's Garden. And what I mean by that is we need to remember how Jesus began to pray right before his arrest. How he began to sweat drops his blood because of the agony that he was already going through. Because he knew he was fixing to have to uh, face this cruel death as he cried out to the Father, you know, Lord, if there's any other way, Father, if there's any other way. We should also remember as we think about 
looking outside them walls of Jerusalem and seeing Mount Calvary and seeing our Lord and Savior's cross up on that and understand the agony. You know, we, we, we should remember the beating he took as they arrested him. We need to remember the crown of thorns that was placed upon his head. We need to remember the stripes across his back. So he says, when you do this, remember the agony I went through in the garden. Remember the pain and the suffering I went through with the beating that I took in your place. We should also stand outside the old walls of Jerusalem and observe that old cross that he died on. We should let this experience become real in our minds, folks. It needs to become real in our mind. We need to remember it to the point it becomes real within our minds. It should stir our emotions and sway our will. We must look back to Calvary if we are to receive the elements of the Lord's Supper in our hearts, our minds, our attitudes, and our ambitions. The second thing we must do is not only look back. We need to look forward. Now, what do I mean by looking forward? Look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, now look what he says, you show the Lord's death until he comes. Until he comes. That's looking forward. In other words, as we do this every quarter like we do, we need to remember that he's coming back. He's coming back. It's not just remembering what he went through. We need to look forward and say, you know what? He's coming back for us. Just like He promised. By our participation in the Lord's Supper, we proclaim His death and we are also looking for His soon return. You know, the most glorious event you know, on the horizon is that moment, folks, that the heavens are going to roll back like a scroll. And, and, and the Lord Jesus is going to descend with a shout and the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God is going to sound. And then as Paul told the church at Thessalonica, once that trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ are going to rise. Then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together to be with the Lord forever. Folks, that's something to look forward to. So when we partake of the Lord's Supper here in just a few moments, let's not just remember the cross, but let's look forward to the day that trumpet sounds. And the reason we can look forward, folks, is because Jesus overcame death through his resurrection. God bless. You know, with the apostle of uh, uh, John, we, we need to look forward and we need to pray, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Yes, partaking in the Lord's Supper should remind us what's to come when Jesus splits that eastern sky and takes his people out of this old sinful, cruel world to the place that he has gone away to prepare. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, guys, I go away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away to prepare a place for you, I am coming again to receive you unto my own, that where I am, there you will be also. Folks, that's something to look forward to. If you can't get excited looking forward to spending eternity with Jesus Christ, you've got a problem. You've got a problem. 
a place to where there will be no more pain, a place where there will be no more sorrow, no more death. Yes, as we break the bread this morning, we should be reminded to look forward to what God has in store for them that love him. Now, also, the cup here, the cup, the cup. Of the, of the covenant is shared this morning. Now, this is something to look forward to also. Okay, look here. It was not just by accident that Jesus had them serve bread and wine that evening. Look, everything Jesus was doing with his disciples this evening had a reason and it had a purpose. Now, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, it's not solely for the purpose of remembering his death. Okay, that's one thing we need to do. But it's not solely for the purpose of, re, uh, of remembering his death, but we should also be reminded of the cup of the covenant which seals our ketchabah, our ketchabah. Now, what is the ketchabah? Folks, the ketchabah is the contract he has made with his bride. With his bride. Look, as you remember, when we done a study, oh, I guess it's been a number of months, maybe even a year now on the faithful bride, and we looked at the Jewish wedding and what the Jewish wedding was all about. What we saw is after the terms had come together for the bride and the groom, after he had purchased his bride, what they would do is write up what they called a ketchabah, which was a contract. They entered a contract with one another, the two fathers did. And what they would do is they would take a cup of wine and they would drink a cup of wine in order to seal this marriage contract, this ketchabah. And then, after the wedding took place months later, again, this just got them engaged. But then, after the wedding, a few months later, maybe even up to a year later, okay, they would share another cup. At the marriage ceremony. Now don't miss this. This is fantastic. Don't miss this. Listen. The cup that Jesus drank with his disciples. At his last Passover on the earth. Was the first cup of the new marriage covenant. As he stated in Luke chapter 22. Now look. What's Luke chapter 22 say? Verse 20. This is the cup. Don't miss this. This is what he told them. This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. In other words, he's saying, we're entering this contract. The blood is the contract. The cup is the contract. Look, it's true that the Lord told his disciples, as often as you do this, do in remembrance of me. So we do not partake of the Lord's Supper for the purpose of remembering the sacrifice that he made only. However, it goes beyond that. Look, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we should also look forward. We should also look forward to that second cup that we are going to share with him at the marriage feast of the Lamb. You see, this first cup seals the contract that he's coming back for us. The second cup will be at the marriage itself when Jesus marries his bride, the church. Wow. Is that not something to be excited about? Is that something, not something to look forward to? That we're going to, you know, uh, uh, partake of Jesus. The wine at the marriage. Baptists get all shook up when I say that we're going to drink wine with Jesus. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, okay? Don't have a heart attack, you know. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And if Jesus serves me wine, I'm going to drink it, okay? 
But whatever it is, we drink at that marriage feast with Jesus. That's something to look forward to. That's it's something to look forward to. Look, let's see where we're at. Okay. Jesus also told his disciples this. Don't forget. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day. I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Isn't that great? Jesus hadn't had no more wine since that night, too, because he's waiting to have it with his bride. He's waiting to have it with his bride. In this passage, Jesus was speaking of that traditional second cup, that cup that uh, the, the bride of Christ will share with him on this glorious day at the second part of our marriage ceremony. You see, not only must we look backward and remember the pain and the suffering he went through, you know, on our behalf, we're to look forward to the day when we're going to drink that second cup with him at the wedding feast. And finally, we must look inward. We must look inward. We need to bring this down now. We need to look inward. Look what Paul said in verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. You know, Paul is saying here, before you partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, before we begin passing it out, and before we partake of the Lord's Supper, he said, you need to take a deep look at yourself. Don't miss this one. You need to look inward. You need to look inward. Look, if there ever was a time when we should do some serious, reverent heart searching, folks, it's in preparation for taking the Lord's Supper. Paul says, let a man examine himself. We must examine ourselves, not necessarily to discover whether we're worthy to participate, because the blood of Jesus Christ makes us worthy. In other words, this is only for those who've been saved. And have followed the Lord in baptism this morning. This is not for the lost person. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, this is not for you this morning. Because only the blood of Jesus Christ makes us worthy to partake of this this morning. Okay? But here's the thing. It's not for the purpose of whether we're worthy or not that we're to examine ourselves. But we're to examine ourselves to determine if we're partaking it in a worthy manner for a worthy purpose, for a worthy purpose. You know, is there some unconfessed sin in my life that's causing separation between me and the Lord? Is there some habitual sin in my life that I refuse to deal with and it's causing separation from me and my Lord? Are there some things in my life that I, that I do and I put before my service and devotion to the Lord? These are some things we must ask ourselves before we go farther in this service this morning. Look, there's just a few things that we must take a moment and examine ourselves for. Look, no one on their own merits has the privilege of sitting at the Lord's table. In other words, by our own merits, not a one of us in here earned that privilege. By God's grace, we're given the privilege as his children in having fellowship with him. Look, the psalmist prayer should be our prayer this morning and here's what the psalmist prayed in verse 31 uh, 139 verse 23 and 24 of the psalm he said this search me O god this needs to be your prayer this needs to be my prayer right now before we go any further in this service search me O god and know my heart try me lord 
Try me and know my thoughts. And Lord, see if there be any, any wicked way in me. And Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. Here in just a moment, we're going to have an altar call. And whether you want to pray this prayer, as the psalmist prayed it, or whether you want to pray it in your own way, the fact is you need to pray to God this morning and examine yourself. Like Paul says, let a man examine himself. So this morning we all need to take a few moments before we partake of the Lord's Supper to do some soul searching and see if there be any wicked way in me. See if there be anything that's standing between me and partaking of the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. If not, you need to lay it out before God. Can you pray that prayer this morning? Look, what makes one worthy to properly participate in the Lord's Supper, it's the blood of Jesus Christ. We must be committed, baptized believers who are willing to take a look backward at all Christ went through, forward to look to the soon return of our Lord and Savior and love his appearing, and inward to look into our hearts and see if there's any wicked way in me. And then be willing to confess it before the Lord. Taking these three looks, folks, can help us to reverently and meaningfully participate in the Lord's Supper this morning so let's take a few moments here and examine ourselves and again if you want to look at that prayer up on that screen and you pray that prayer to God in a prayerful manner do it if you want to go before the Lord with your own words then do it but before we take the Lord's Supper I want to follow Paul's advice to where he said let a man examine himself let a man examine himself so let's just take a few minutes before we go any farther in this service.